0: jungle Jim jerome coming out with a special edition of inside curling brought to you today because the grand slam of curling is up and underway again and the first one is the prince's auto players championship at the madame center in toronto and kevin's there Uh, boys are you all set kevin maybe you're like warren now kevin that you don't sleep anymore is that right (laughs) <laughs> I, but but I but I'd like to. Yeah. Okay. Well, we better get this done quick so you don't fall asleep in the middle of your take. Stick around, everybody. Last rock. Eighth end. Up by two. I
1: don't think I'm. I don't think I'm white. I don't think you are either. Oh, oh. it's clean. Oh, don't oh. kill it, Ben. Don't kill it. Don't kill Line's it. Really good. Line's really good. Right on the button, guys. Right Last here. stone for Kevin
2: Martin. They want it on the button. They reapers are watching it fans are on their feet kevin martin goes up as a champion cuts him to one he will win his final grand slam taking the players championship talk about putting an exclamation mark at the end of a career all he had to do was cut him down Kevin Martin can
0: celebrate. He is a champion. Okay, so let's get it underway. First of all, we want to thank our great sponsors who bring to you uh, Inside Curling each and every week and our special shows. Thank you to Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Gold Line, Nestle Boost, and Meridian. Grand Slam of Curling is underway again with the Princess Auto Championship in Toronto. Bring us up to speed, Kevin, about the history of the Grand Slam. First of all,
1: it actually goes all the way back to 1993, and that's when the they called it the Tour Championship, but it's the Players Championship, and it started in 1993 in Calgary. And a guy that was on our show was kind of the the guy who got that going, and that was Ed Luquich back in the day. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it stayed as one event per year until the Grand Slam of Curling. Four event series got started in 2001, and that was myself and a guy by the name of Kevin Albrecht got it kind of started. He was the president of IMG Canada at the time. Almost all the players got behind it and uh, made it happen, which was fantastic. A group of uh, 18 of the top 20 teams in the world made it happen. And that was in 2001, and then Sportsnet came on board, took over the event in 2000, or the series in 2012, and has grown great numbers and now we have usually six events per year but because of covid the one in camera was actually canceled this year but there'll be six next year again and uh looking forward to great stuff through the uh, the grand slam series how does everyone get in the grand slam kev well that's a simple thing there's a world ranking and you have to be top ranked in the world period so this this week there's 16 women's teams and 16 men's teams and the way you get in is to be in the top 16 it doesn't matter what country you're from it doesn't matter if uh if canada say on the men's side have nine out of the top 16 i actually don't know how many they have so i shouldn't say a number but if they had even 14 out of 16 wouldn't matter if you have four out of 16. it's just the best of the best period and that's why jennifer jones says it lots this is her favorite event period it was always my favorite event other than the olympics Olympics were always number one for me, but then the player's championship was definitely number two because it's the most difficult event to win because it's only the best of the best period.
0: I, I think we know a little bit of the history when, uh, the grand slam of curling came along, not your happiest day, Warren, when it first started. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was, t-
2: it was some different times, some difficult times, however. The world evolves and things change, and things are up and running and going forward.
0: That's a pretty sitting on the fence answer, I think. One. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he
1: definitely got some splinters there, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, he got some splinters there.
0: <laughs> well,
2: I yeah. mean, we could spend the next hour talking about it, but we've been down that road a few times. So we can go down it again if you want. <laughs>
0: yeah, no, we'll do it. We'll give him a th- three-hour show. So, Kevin's underway the Prince's Auto Players Championship, and you're there in Toronto. Bring us up to speed. How it's going so far?
1: Well, it's going really well. First of all, let everybody know. The ice is moving a lot. It's really quite good. It's around 4 a little bit heavier than most championships. Usually it's about 14 and a half seconds hog to hog. Here it's more like around 143. So still pretty pretty nice ice. It's it's moving, but it's curling a lot, which is great. Every shot's makeable. So that's fantastic. Ticket sales on the weekend are really good. 2019 it was almost a sell on the, on the weekend. I took pictures from the booth. It was amazing. That was in 2019 before uh, COVID hit. Ticket sales are almost half again as much uh, this time. So this weekend is going to be tremendous for a crowd, which is great. And today actually is uh, Friday. Friday is Kids Day. So when you purchase a ticket, an adult ticket, then the kid gets in free, which is great. And that's today here. Uh, at the players. Now let's get to who's doing well. Shockingly on the A-side final last night, we have uh, Silvana Terenzoni, of course, the multiple world champ with Alina Pets. They had to play against the gold medalist, Eve Mearhead in the final. And actually uh, Terenzoni and Pets won that game. Like we're not shaking anybody too much here with these teams. Tracy Fleury beat Carrie Anerson on the other side. Of course, those teams are both from Canada. That sent Carrie Anderson down into playing Danielle Yensha to Germany in one B final later today. Eve Meerhead drops into Rachel Holman. That's a big game in another B final. Satsuki Fujisawa out of Japan will play Krista McCarville out of Northern Ontario in the other B. So how it works, Jim, is two come out of A, three come out of B, and then three come out of C to make the final eight playoff teams. Uh, one interesting note is on the uh, C side. Jennifer Jones is playing on a Hasselborg. So one of those teams is out. If you lose out of the seaside, you're gone. So that's amazing. One of them has to lose. And so one will be gone today, which is uh, incredible. Anyway, on the men's side, Nicodine, they're playing with three because uh, Christopher Sundgren's got a uh, a hip issue that he has to get dealt with this summer, but he can't play. Uh, He couldn't even finish the end of the Worlds, if you remember. I, I believe their team shot against Team Botcher in the A-side final, uh, 95 or 96% as a team last night, beat Botcher 6-2 and six ends. Bruce Mowat playing Kevin Cooey, Bruce Mowat, of course, out of Scotland, Olympic silver medalist playing as Kevin Cooey, who uh, who won this event in Toronto 2018, of course, the world champ, beat them 8-2. So Nicodine and Bruce Mallett are just continuing on their winning ways. They're just so powerful. They, they hardly ever miss. Uh, and then on the B side, you've got uh, Brad Guju playing Kevin Cooey. That's where Kevin dropped. Ouch. And then on the other B side, you've got Ross White. Now, this is a young team out of Scotland, and a lot of people don't get to hear about them because you've got uh, Ross Patterson, who played in the Worlds, and you've got, of course, Bruce Mowat. So it's tough for a young team to to get their name out there, but they're playing really well, and they play Botcher in the other B side. And then McEwen, Mike McEwen, and uh, Jason Gullickson play in the other B final. And one team of note, the Lost two games in a hurry was Team Jacobs, Brad Jacobs, but they're hanging in there and see. So they uh, they play later on today there. So that's kind of an update as to what's going on. Uh, but like I say, it's uh, it's fast and furious. And when you got a triple knockout, which is what this is, it's not pool play. Every game matters so much because it's two out of a, three out of b, three out of c. As soon as you lose out of c, you're gone to the airport. It's kid's day. If I would have known that, Kevin, I wish you would have let me know. I I'd
0: send my kids there. Oh, I thought maybe
2: experience. you were going to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what does Maple Leaf Gardens, what does it look like now, Kevin? Is it still got a bunch of
1: seats or how, how did they fix it? What they did, Jim, is actually moved the floor up. So underneath, right underneath where you sit and you watch the curling, it maybe holds 5,000-ish, the building, a beautiful building. And then underneath there's the Loblaws. Which is a great store, and actually, the center ice button is on the floor in the loblaws. So what they did is just move the move the floor up, and uh, so it's less seating, of course, but the ceiling's the same, and all that's the same, and it's just a beautiful building. Uh, I know that the players all love to come here. It's uh, there's so much history in the building, and uh, they just really enjoy it. Ice conditions are always good here, so uh, it's it's really cool, and and you're right downtown Toronto. So teams that went out of a you know, if you, they'll have time uh, tonight. I believe the Blue Jays are in town, so you can just walk down the street, go watch the Jays or whatever it is you want to do. There's lots of places to eat, lots of dining nearby. Uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame isn't far away. Um, there's just lots of things to do for the teams that come from outside of uh, the area. And if
0: you get hungry between ends, Warren, you can go down and get a snack from Loblaws. Yeah,
1: perfect. <laughs> Keep
2: you
0: going. <laughs> Warren, what's your take on uh, the Princess Auto Players Championship?
2: First and foremost, eight ends. Yippee.
0: <laughs> right.
2: What a difference, uh, in, from my opinion, of watching an event that's that's eight ends long. It's uh, just so much more comfortable from my point of view. Anyway, interesting so far. So, Kevin, I haven't been able to see a lot of what's going on, but it seems this is a strange year. Some of these teams certainly haven't played much in the last uh, probably couple of months even. And there seems to be a, a little bit of rust from my point of view with, with some of them. Is that a
1: factor, do you think, with, with some of the teams? No question. No question. It's been a weird year. You're right. And it's just some people, some teams haven't played much since either the Olympics or, or, or a national championship in whatever country they're from. Um, and then other teams. Like (laughs) Nicodine and Guju and and some of those teams have played way too much. (laughs) Their legs are falling off. So it's really a weird year. Yes, there's people with rust and then there's people with fatigue and, um, and then there's people like Bruce Mallet and and Nicodine that just simply don't miss curling shots. Let's
2: talk about it in playing from what I understand still with three players, um, What's going on here, is Christopher Sundrin gone or is he going to come back in and maybe his sweep or what's going to
1: go on there? Yeah, I, I think they tried that. I interviewed Oscar and uh, I guess that was on our last show that came out, but we, we had a chat about that and there's something in the, in the hip joint that's really bugging him. So he needs to get that dealt with. He won't be, I don't think he'll be curling until after he gets it dealt with, with the doctor and, and who, you know, we don't, we don't know what, what they're going to do. Of course, he's got, got to get some work done when he gets back home, but Christopher's here in, in Toronto, but he's just uh, cheering the boys on. And you know what, Brad Gushu proved that three players is enough and here, here, Nicodine comes through a no problem with three players. There's going to be some interesting people looking at this situation. Why, how can they win so easy? Like I shouldn't say easy. That's, That's not a good way to say it, but, but when Gushu won, they played incredible. So strong, and Nicodine's doing the same thing. They're throwing a team average in the mid-90s. What the heck? Like We never used to be able to do that back in the day because we relied on the two sweepers more. But now you get a sweeper like Brett Gallant or Oscar Erickson or Rasmus Rana who can get in behind the rock and sweep both angles easily. So you only need one sweeper. It's really fascinating, Warren, and it'll be interesting to see the various countries and what they think about this. Brad did it, and now that Nick is doing it, we need to look at it. It's not a one-off. Like, wait a minute here. This is something else.
2: Maybe mixed doubles has uh, changed the world. Let's take a look at some of these people that are doing well. Gushu. Guess what? Gaunt, one of the best mixed doubles players in the world. Adin. Oscar. Erickson, one of the best mixed doubles players in the world. So maybe that's changed how... Uh, how they approach things, who knows? But on the medical report again, I'm seeing Glenn Howard is off the ice again and being replaced by Wayne Madaw playing third with <laughs> Scott Howard skipping. What's what's happened to Glenn? What's going on there?
1: Well, yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I haven't talked to Glenn about it, so I don't want to guess. Um, but just an, an injury. He's just not able to play, unfortunately. But, but what a great guy to bring in and, you know, it never hurts to bring in Madaw if you need to win some games and then Wayne's playing pretty good as always, he's just, and he's throwing third, actually it's, uh, Scott Howard is actually skipping the team and they're, they're good. Yeah. And they're playing the Italy team later on. So see if they can keep it rolling. So are there any surprises?
2: I see the young Zacharias team that's going to be teaming up with Jennifer Jones actually took out Tabitha Peterson. So they seem to be doing fairly well. Any other surprises that you think
1: uh, are taking place? Well, the only other one that kind of jumps out at me is young Ross White, team out of Scotland. They're going to be battling Botcher later uh, today in the B-side final, but they're really good. Scotland's really building a program. You know, they've got Bruce Mowat, of course, but then Ross Patterson's team's very good. And now you got Ross White, who's really good. And according to Bruce, I was talking to uh, Bruce Mowat, there's actually quite a few down the pipeline that are younger yet coming up. So on on the men's side in Scotland, it looks really good for a very long time. They're going to have really good representation into the future. That just bodes well for their program, no question. And we're torn as Italy has been fantastic. We got to get them on again uh, and just see what they're doing in the program. Because, you know, to win the gold medal in the mixed doubles was was great. You know, shock and and oh, wow, that's gonna be good for curling. And then all of a sudden this men's team goes and wins a bronze at the worlds. Wait a minute. And now here they are at the Grand Slam. Wait a second. Something's going on here. So you know, we gotta figure that out too.
2: Another question to probably ask you is the fact that, uh, again, we have the no-tick rule in play here, but in a slightly different flair than it was in the world level, so I believe what you're playing under there, if in fact the rock that's in the no-tick zone does get ticked or moved, the opposition has the opportunity to leave those rocks where they end up sitting if they choose to. Uh, Anything worked out on that that you've noticed so far?
1: It's certainly a factor. I have not seen anybody accidentally tick it yet, but I'm sure it's happened. There's so many games going on all the time at, at, a, at a Grand Slam. But talking to Eve Muirhead, did an interview with her on Tuesday. And uh, that's one thing that she felt strongly about is that if by chance you're coming around and, and you miss it tight by quite a bit and you bump their rock onto the button at the Worlds, it, it got replaced. But in real life, it's their mistake and they bump your rock on the button. You should be able to go, no, no, I'll keep it. I'll keep the rock on the button and the guard and then I'll throw a guard on the guard. The non-offending team would have the choice of leaving it as it is after the offense or moving the guard back, taking off the the rock that made contact. So so it's a little different, yes, Warren, but it seems like, and I've only talked to Eve about it, but it sure made sense that if... uh, If you're the team coming around and you make the tick by accident, but it happens to actually bang it straight back towards the forefoot, why not be able to keep it? You know, things are going to evolve quickly with this. It it seems to be making a difference. I'll be really excited to, to see the data that comes out of the World Curling Federation. It is making far more activity late in the games. There's no question about that, especially in the last couple of ends. When you need to steal, there are more rocks in play.
0: The WCF, Kev, uh, and Warren, they, remember they were talking, of course you remember, they were talking about trying some changes. Is there any thought, Kevin, that the Grand Slam of curling would try some of these rules that they wanted?
1: Well, and that's exactly what they're doing here. But just but to your point, Jim, there were three things that the World Curling Federation were going to try. But they decided to just do one, which is the no-tick zone, this year. And so the Grand Slams are doing that. The others were the four-minute end and, and, uh, and no extra ends win outright, draw the button to win. And those changes are not happening yet. But for now, it's taking one at a time. I think that's really smart. Now, this is a this is a drastic change. In the, in the last couple of ends, it's made a big difference if you can get those guards on the center line. So check that data first. Okay. And then if they deem to go to whatever, one of the other two things that they were thinking about doing, but only do that by itself. Otherwise, it gets all muddy. If you do a, a bunch of different things all at once, well, you don't know what's causing the differences. So you can only do one variable at a time, in my opinion.
0: And when they go to uh, mic up the players, I can see the guy now, the producer going, okay, mic up all the guys, except my Okay, do Okay, <laughs> don't mic him. Okay, so we move into the weekend, Kev. We'd like to get you and Warren's picks on some of this. Some of that you've answered already, but what do you see playing out over the next three days and the final three days?
1: Well, uh, I initially picked uh, Nicodine, Bruce Mowat, Cooley, and Botcher, and I don't see a great deal of reason to change that, Nicodine and Mowat being incredibly strong right now. So I'll keep that. Kevin Cooley's still currently good, and so would Botcher. They just ran into two teams that just wouldn't miss. On the women's side, you've got the world champs and the gold medal gold medalist curling really good I liked uh, Carrie Anderson but I had Jennifer Jones picked and she's fighting down in C with Hasselborg right now so I still like Terenzoni and I still like Muirhead and Anderson Tracy Flurry, boy she's a good curler just making everything last night against Anderson so that is one change where you know you might have to really look there the other team that's playing really quite well right now is Fujisawa out of Japan they're curling really well. They're taking on McCarville though, who's really tough. So that's kind of my group of teams, Jim. Um, if I had to pick four, I'd probably go with, uh, with Alina Pets, with, uh, Sylvain Terenzone, Eve Mearhead, Anerson and Fujisawa, but watch out for Tracy Fleury and watch out for Carvel.
2: Well, I wouldn't disagree with Kevin and a lot, certainly in the men's side, I haven't had the opportunity to watch them yet, but, uh, looking at the statistics and the evidence of the wins, Mowat and, uh, Adin are without question ahead of the pack. So they've got to be the favorites. I, I think Gushu and Kui are probably going to be right behind them. Gushu seems to be coming on. although again, I haven't seen him. And of course, I still would suggest, along with Kevin Butcher, has done pretty well to, with the exception of the, the game against Adin. I think on the women's side, probably a little wider open, but certainly Tarazzoni has done well again. She's qualified through A. I watched Flurry play. No question, they're doing well. I, I watched that Flurry team and kind of saying to myself, why is this team breaking up? They have done extremely well the last couple of years. They had a couple of hiccups this year, but nothing serious. They're here again playing well. I'm not sure why they aren't sticking together, but maybe that's a topic for another day. And, of course, Ines and Muirhead, I, I think without question, they're going to be close I had suggested Homan at the start, and she does seem to be doing fairly well. She's in a big game today, a B qualifier. She's got to go against Muirhead. So one of them will be dropping down to C, and the other one will be qualified. But I think they'll both probably be around in the end. And certainly, as Kevin suggested, Fujizawa uh, watched them play yesterday, and uh, they are playing very well. So those are the teams, I think, that will be around come Sunday afternoon from where I see it.
0: Because breaking up is hard to do. How's that? Apparently not.
2: I watched that team play. I'm going like, why are they breaking up?
0: Yeah, like I say, apparently breaking up is not hard to do with all the teams doing it. Okay, Warren, the schedule from Sportsnet, it's going to be on for the next three days. Give us that and what the weekend coverage is going to look like.
2: Today's being Friday and this podcast is coming out sometime today. So there's going to be three games covered today. One at 12 noon on Sportsnet, one at 4 p.m. on Sportsnet, and then 8 p.m. this evening Eastern time. It'll be exclusively on Sportsnet Now. We've had a couple of inquiries from people saying, how do I access Sportsnet Now? And simply go to the Sportsnet website, sportsnet.ca, and just follow the directions, and it'll tell you how to access Now. If you're already a cable subscriber on Sportsnet, you will automatically be able to access it free of charge. If you're not, you will get a, a fee charge, but it's not a big one. So that's how you get to Sportsnet Now. Then on Saturday starting again at 12 noon eastern the women's quarterfinals and that'll be on sportsnet east ontario pacific and sportsnet one the men's quarterfinals at 4 p.m it'll be on sportsnet 360 at 8 p.m on friday evening the women's and the men's semifinals in sportsnet 360. And then on sunday at 12 noon in uh, toronto Sportsnet 1 will have the women's final. And at 4 p.m., Sportsnet 1 will have the men's final. So that's the coverage that will be taking place on Sportsnet for the next three days, which should be pretty exciting. Uh,
0: again, if you want to get a ticket, go to the uh, go to GrandSlamOfCurling.com. Uh, if you're in the Toronto area, you can get down and watch some of that. Hey, Kev, what about the three-man team thing, right? What you brought up is kind of interesting now because the, the big gunners are doing it. Uh, if I don't have much money on my team, I might start to consider that no airfare, no hotel for a third guy, no meals, no expenses for a third guy. But
2: And you split the winnings three ways, not four ways.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. So there we go, folks. Uh, we're underway. Kev, you're going to be there the rest of the weekend, of course. And Warren, you'll be watching. So will I. And uh, so will everybody else, I hope. Great news, Kevin, to hear that was well attended I'm guessing Kevin it will be the rest of
1: the week as well it, it should be yes that's what the ticket sales say which is fantastic starting uh Friday which is today so yeah with uh, kids day cool man Nicodine wins the, wins the worlds. you've won that before Kev what did you do right after celebrating the Olympic year was crazy we got done the Olympics now now Nick is doing both we couldn't do both back in the day we couldn't do both the Olympics and the briar that wasn't a thing so it wasn't possible. But after the Olympics, we just kept curling, playing slams, and kept playing tournaments, and actually after the Olympics, we we didn't lose a game that year, because you get on a roll, and that's what's happening with Nick here. They're just making everything in the game look so easy for them, and they went through A undefeated, and it's going to be really tough for anybody to beat them, and even understanding that they only have three players, but it, it doesn't seem to matter. They're just on a roll and that's sometimes hard to get a really good team off of the roll once they get started.
2: Yeah, I I think it's a good point. Uh, I've got a great idea for Canada. For the next Olympic trials, take the trials winner to the Olympics and also take them to the Briar and Scotties because uh, you have gone through this very extensive process in November to determine who really is the best team in the country. And they've earned the right to go to the Olympics and I think it would be simple just to send them to the worlds as well, but probably not going to happen.
0: If you haven't seen Nicodine Curl, tune in this weekend because... How should I say that? He's really good. <laughs> <laughs> really good. Big thank you to our sponsors uh, for bringing you this special edition of Inside Curling Sports Interaction, Coyote Tractor, Goldline, Nestle Boost, and Meridian. We really appreciate them and encourage you to support those guys. Reminder again, if you want to send us an email, we'd love to hear from you, insidecurling at gmail.com. Check out our Facebook group and our Facebook page. Uh, thanks a lot to Rod Paulson and his company Inhouse strategies that looks after all of that. Once again, uh, check out all the action this weekend on Sportsnet. It's the Princess Auto Players Championship, and uh, boy, the field is deep. Looks like maybe the cream is rising to the top. But I'm, you know what, you guys, I'm. Um, you didn't ask me my pick. Oh, what's your picture? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with my boy McEwen, okay? I think he's on the C-side already, but I, he's
1: my guy. He'll be pleased to hear that, Jim. <laughs> he's actually, Jimmy, he's in the B-side final. B-side final against uh, Gunlickson later today. They could be there. They could be there. That sounds
0: more like, no, they're not going to be there. <laughs>
2: well, you never know. They've managed to come through pretty good so far, and you, you get on a roll, and uh, all of a sudden things start to happen. So who knows? That's why it's pretty hard to predict who the winner is going to be in an event like this
0: right on. Tune in, everybody. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Uh, Thank you, Warren, and thank everybody for listening. This has been a special edition of Inside Curling. See you, boys. Hey, thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, Jim.